What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome. It's Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you are at your place for the unfiltered experience where we bring you unfiltered conversations designed to expand your horizons and increase your confidence to go out there and live an amazing life. I'm Christopher Roush, the No Excuses Coach, and I'm excited to be here uh, back with my brother from another mother. What's going on, Mr. Scott Goyette? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, all things considered, I just got done playing with my son for a little while. We've been admittedly for two years putting this together, this Lego set. It's a, it's a Lego. It's a 1969 charger Lego set. And it's taken me two years because all those little pieces are little and the instructions suck, but I'm having a good time with my son. What about you? I love it. Well, you know, I got in an accident. I got uh, three fractured ribs or three broken ribs and two fractured vertebrae, my L1 and my L2, which I'm sitting on right now. So I might have a limited time here. We'll see. This is literally the first time I've sat up in a week. So um, that's why I kind of probably look like you look I, good. You look peaceful. You look like dude, you look like you're all go love now, baby. It's, it's not peace. It's frozen in this space going, holy shit, if I move them and I'm hurting. So um, oh, I totally but, understand that. You see me on the show. Where I know, like, dude, you know, back like, stuff. So I know. Yeah. Well, I, know. I, know. I hate to see what the other guy looks like. Yeah, there you go. I was <laughs> I was the. um. I was playing with your kid today. I know you, you were doing baseball. Or was it T-ball? What is it? No, today we were just doing that. Today I just picked him up from the school. It's actually raining here in Southern California. Um, no, we did the uh, the Lego thing with the 69 Charger. Basically, oh, he sat there and moved all the pieces around while I attempted to try to put the pieces in the right spot. I thought you were going to, I thought you said you were going to play. When I, For some reason, when I hear the word play, I assume it's like a, like baseball or football. I remember you, when you said that, I thought you were playing, doing something else beside the, the Lego kid or whatever. So Yeah, no, play. we're just playing. No, it's actually raining here. So it's a... Uh, finally it's good but uh yeah nice. just have a little good time you know i always try to set aside time for me and he and i because most of the time he wants to play with his mom so it's like all right i got him for two hours and he was like where's mom where's mom during the whole time anyway <laughs> a little bastard <laughs> i'm like man come on come on it's oh it's funny dude like when he walks when we go to school and we go to wish him you know off to you know to his class he gives my wife a hug and he'll walk right past me and she's like dad you gotta give your dad a hug so she's constantly have to remind him to give me love and i'm like hmm. but i'm glad that he loves her <laughs> And here's the thing, dude, like, like one thing that I can see from 16 years of parenting is it's cyclical, you know, everyone's their favorite from time to time. And they'll be organically a mommy's boy or daddy's, you know, whatever. But at some point, like they'll come around huge and you'll have a great relationship. Like, but right now I'm sure it's good, but mm -hmm. they just pick one and they like that. She's his security blanket. Like, mm -hmm. it's a good thing. At least he has one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like mommy's little mommy's little boy and daddy's little girl. And so that's why I'm actually yeah. glad that it's not a little girl and it's not and she's not all over me because then Barb would be crushed. And I would much rather me be have my feelings hurt every once in a while than have her feelings hurt all the time. So. I'd be the same way. Yeah, there you it go. Is the way, it is what it is. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back, man. I've done a couple of these shows without you. You were uh, you were out. Um, did we have you talk? I can't remember. It's been so long. You were on last week's show, were you? I can't remember. No, dude, I was literally that's just right. got an accident. I was laying that's why you were supposed to be on you're going to do it from the hotel right yeah. um no so it's just good to be back here with you and um yeah and just rocking and rolling and uh almost forgot what i was supposed to be doing but as we always share with you guys uh this show is brought to you by the beautiful people at help heal humanity helphealhumanity.org is the website scott and i have been affiliated with this organization for more than a couple of years now the founder and the president ceo 
Uh, Serena Buffalino is just a phenomenal person. She's out there always doing her best to make the world a better place, built schools in Haiti, uh, help the homeless, feed the homeless in, in Canada, here in the United States. And uh, I'm uh, proud to be a part of the uh, board of directors for this organization. So when you get value out of these shows that Scott and I provide you, please do what you can. Go over there to www.helphealhumanity.org. Donate 25 bucks, 100 bucks, 50 bucks, five bucks, whatever it is you possibly can do. We just had um, the gentleman from... Last week, I think a uh, guy, he actually donated $300. So I was like, yeah. So I tell you guys, anytime you you donate over anything over 200 bucks, you get an hour of my coaching time for free. So not only you get a tax deductible donation, you get to help an amazing organization where all of the money goes towards the efforts of what it is that we're doing. Nobody takes a paycheck, not a single person. Find another nonprofit that does that. Plus, if it's anything over 200 bucks, you get a coaching session with me. So there you go. We appreciate you guys for being here. Always, whether you're watching live or on the replay, go check out helphealhumanity.org. And as always, make sure that you um, you get you guys check out, of course, this website, theunfilteredexperience.com. Scott and I have got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for you here with the show and kind of doing things a little bit differently, bringing you some more value. So we would love for you to go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com. And especially, especially, let me bring this damn thing up. This is something we are asking all of you guys to do. It's something that we have poor, done a poor job of, but a lot of you guys watch this on the on the video cast, but there is also actually an audio podcast and I'm putting the link inside the show right now. So I would love for you guys to ignore what we're doing and go there and subscribe to the Unfiltered Experience podcast. Well, wait, let's just wait. Let's just not even say, let's just sit and wait until yeah, we'll just it. wait. We'll just wait. Um, so go there, go there and subscribe to the podcast and do us another solid and uh, leave us a positive review. Well, you can re leave us a negative review if you don't like us, but then I'll find you and I'll kick your ass. But uh, go there, leave us a review. Um, actually, my brother, Brian Kelly, is the one that uh, inspired me to start asking for this and, and thinking like, Thank wow, you, you know, we're not doing a good job of, of promoting the show in that respect. So when people go to look at iTunes and they see three reviews, they're like, okay, nobody's watching this. I'm not going to watch it or listen to it. So we'd love for you guys. We know that if we're in about nine different countries right now. We would love for you to go there, subscribe to the podcast, share it out, listen to it. And again, uh, throw us a, a positive review in exchange for all the value and the content that we brought for you. We are on show number 115, Scott, 115 shows just of this one. We did the Friday night live for like, oh, I think wow. 80 episodes or something like that. So yeah, we've been doing this for a while. I like it. I doing like this. It. Wow. Thank you, Mr. Brian Kelly. And also I have to thank Mr. Brian Kelly right now. Cause I just happened to have seen right before I went live that he did a public announcement, thanking me for some of the help that I've been doing with him. He's reaching his gold weight, gold weight. He actually uh, got his book done. So thank you, Brian, for being here. I appreciate you. Got Randy Chaffee in the house. He says, good evening, my brothers. Hey, buddy. Thank you, Randy, for being here. Got Chad Pape in the house. What's up, Chad? We saw your new video, saw your new pictures. You're looking dapper as ever, man. Thank you for being here. And I uh, got Debbie Bettendorf. What's up, Debbie? She says, hi, guys. I had a chance to talk to Debbie's uh, daughter today, a little chit-chat on the on the, on the the sidebar uh, message thing. We both have Doberman, Scott, so I was uh, reaching out to her and finding out about her Doberman. We got uh, Eric Bam in the house. He says, happy Pizza Friday. Thank you, Eric. We got Jacques Equerre. What's up? He says, what's, what's up, up, guys? Buddy? Thank you, Jacques, for being here. I will check out the video. Sorry about that. I didn't get a chance to watch it earlier. But Jacques's got some uh, cool stuff coming up about men's mental health that we can all participate in. So thank you, Brother Jacques, for being here. Without any further ado, we have an amazing guest for us tonight. We're going to be talking about leadership and mindset. So please welcome to the Unfiltered Experience, Mr. Sean Litback. What's going on, Sean? Welcome to the Unfiltered what's Experience. What's going man. on, gentlemen? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We try to have a good time. You know, it's the unfiltered experience. So anything goes. Uh, and we just appreciate you being here and having this candid conversation with us tonight. And, and I know your intention tonight is to provide lots of value and, and have people increase their mindsets and, and think differently about their Absolutely. lives. 
So talk to us about your journey. Talk to us about what it is about you that has got you into the area of being an expert in leadership. Sure. So first, first of all, I got to tell you guys, you guys are so chill. This is uh, not what I expected at all. I expected to be pulled on. It's going to be, why are, do you think you're a leader? Why do you think you can tell us what to do? And, and it's just amazing. Hey, Debbie, how are you doing? So I found myself thrust into leadership back in the 90s. I had done a great job in sales. And as punishment, the organization that I was working for said, you think you're so smart. Everything you've sold, you're now in charge of running. And that was basically my leadership training. Seriously. Now, I did have a boss that taught me, I was in the janitorial industry, that taught me all about how to strip floors, how to use acid etching, all that kind of stuff. Because it wasn't oh. residential cleaning, it was commercial cleaning. But as far as leadership training, I received almost none. And every time I would get leadership training, it would be because I was leading people the wrong way. So over the funny? course of my career, I just learned things. And it got to a point in 2011 uh, where I had left the organization I had been with for over 20 years, went to work for another organization. And I thought, I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to write a book on business in my head it was called proverbs for business and the motivation of the book was going to be i'm going to teach everyone how to do business better and and i've said this many times now thank goodness that book did not get written because that book was written from a place of you know narcissism if i'm pronouncing it right from self-importance from self-indulgence and from 2011 to 2017, I struggled writing the book. And then it was in 2017 or 2018, as I was praying about the book that I heard from God. And God told me, if you write this book, I will take care of everything five times over. Wow. Didn't know what that meant then. Still don't claim to know 100% what that means today. But I do know one thing that all these podcasts I've been on and live streams have been amazing. The um, attention and the feedback, more importantly, that I'm receiving from the book has been tremendous. People reaching out to me and saying, yeah, I know what you mean. I understand. So I started writing the book from a different perspective. I wrote it from what do I think is important? What would I have done different? So talk to, talk, to, talk to us about a, talk to us about a few of those and talk to us about the challenge. You, you mentioned challenge before that period of, I think, five years between 2012 and 2017. What were the challenges in that aside from the narcissism? So I'm very type A. And if you look at Myers-Briggs, um, I am an ENTJ. So basically, when you look at, you know, for those that don't know Myers-Briggs, what's an ENTJ? Well, it, it's not the leader of the army. It's the king on the hill who knows what he's doing in his own mind, but doesn't necessarily listen to everyone else. And I would work with people. And when they didn't want to take risks, I wanted to take risks. When I 
said, no, we shouldn't take risks. They would want to take risks that I thought was foolish. And I did very well at this organization. I, I went to join the, this company to be on their executive team, but I was fairly outspoken. And that's probably saying it in a very mellow way. I can kind of uh, see that with you. Career, <clears throat> I would send people emails and I would say, I need this information and I need it by this date. Wouldn't say please, wouldn't say thank you. It was, you know, this is business. We just need to get it done. And what I came, and then I started talking about the speed of Sean because I thought everyone should move at the speed of Sean. So, so you, if you, had, ex you had expectations that were a little bit distorted compared to everybody else's. That's, is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. So, you know, my expectations for myself has all, have always been very high. And I'm a no excuses kind of guy. Um, last year, for example, in 22, I had unexpected quintuple bypass surgery Ooh, in February, where I went into the hospital and five days later, they were cracking me open like a walnut. And I still thought I was going to, once I got out of the hospital, everything would just be the same that it was and that I would go immediately back into work. I didn't realize that, yeah, I could go back into work, but I needed to take naps. And for example, during COVID, when I had started a new job and our owner said to me in, in July, he's like, we're not going to hold you to your sales quota. My response was, oh, I'm going to hit it. There won't be a problem. So I have this high expectation but I have the work ethic behind it too. And what I've come to realize is a few things. One, work alone isn't gonna get it done. Two, need to slow down and listen to God. And three, everyone doesn't have the same expectation for themselves that I have for myself. And I can't force that on other people. So you okay. have to work talk to us, talk to us about, talk to us about that journey. I got, I love expectations. Talk to us about that journey. How have you been able to readjust your expectations and work with other people and try to see things from their perspective? Talk to us about that journey. Sure. So working with other people and their expectations, you know, it, it, it was a matter of, so in the book, I, I begin the book talking about self-talk and self-sabotage. Those are the first two chapters. And it may not seem like it makes sense to answer your question with, with that, but I'm, I'm going to begin there because self-talk is not just about what you say to yourself about yourself, but it's what you say to yourself about other people. There was a time in my life where I thought people were lazy. <laughs> um, you know, customers that were a, a problem or employees that were a problem, it'd be like, oh, people are scum and because of terrible things that would happen. And I realized over time that I needed to A, stop thinking that way, but more importantly, I needed to stop saying it because when an individual speaks, when I speak, it's going in both my ears. The words that I use affect everyone around me, but the person that they affect the most is myself. So I needed to look at other people and their strengths and look to see how could I help them with their strengths to achieve what I wanted to achieve for the organization that I was working for and not focus on their weaknesses. 
Mm. I love what that. What you focus on becomes a reality, period. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Robert's in the house. He says that that we are most often mirrors for each other, uh, a revelation. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. So, so that is so true. So talk to us about that, that process for you. What were the most challenging aspects of being able to rewire that, that belief system? Because what you're describing reminds me, I mean, I was joking, but it reminds me a lot about my mom, you know, and it reminds me of some of the people that oh. I uh, associated with in the corporate space who I would have challenges with because I'm the guy that goes, yes, please. And thank you. And I fuzzy everything up and make it all nice. And I hope you have an awesome weekend. And I would come into people like you that were just very direct. And I know that I had challenges with that. I mean, that's a big thing to overcome. It's number one, it's a big thing to realize for yourself to say, Hey, listen, I'm part of the problem. I'm not part, I need to part, be part of the solution. Walk us through that journey and, and, uh, and how you were able to get a hold of that. You know, there were a few ways that I got a, a hold of it. First of all, I focused more on my faith life that when, when you look at Jesus as the example, yes, he turned over tables at one point. Yes. He formed a whip at one point, but that was not his characterization. It doesn't say in, in the Bible, don't get angry. It says, don't sin in your anger. So it was a matter of digging into the word to become more Christ-like. And that's something that I still work on to this day, because, you know, as a Christian, I may be the only person person that someone knows that's a Christian, or they may know a bunch of Christians and they go, hypocrite, 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 hypocrite. I don't want to be that person. So, but you talk about interacting with, with coworkers. I became the guy that said, please, thank you. Emojis. Oh my gosh. I was using emojis and emails before they were a thing to the point where people are like, why are you putting so many emojis in? And I'm like, well, doesn't it soften it? They're like, yeah, but you still want it at a certain date, Sean. So I had to <laughs> learn how to, it wasn't just putting little smileys and things like that, but to back off and plan ahead and not, you know, for me, three days was enough time, but three days for me may have been needed two weeks for someone else. So had to learn to always think way ahead. Um, Sean, quick question. Go ahead. Quick question. I just want to just, just because what I'm hearing from you, and it's something that Chris has been preaching on lately. One of Stephen Covey's seven habits, he talks about seek first to understand and then be understood. Everything that you're saying literally seems to be summarized within that. Because if you ask a person, why do you want to, why do you think you, this should take you two weeks? Why do you think you can't do this? They're going to tell you if they trust you and you provide a safe space. So sure. walk through that as you're explaining that, because I know that there's people out here like Chris, who have had somebody who's coaching or leading them, who kind of feels a little bit scary. And so once you lose that communication before it starts, you're dead in the water. So walk through that as you're explaining, because I think a lot of people want to hear that answer. Good so I, I had a real aha moment um, in creating a, a safe space. And the chapter in the book that's about safe spaces, I begin it by, by talking about how safe spaces at the time I was writing it were all the rage on college campuses. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about a safe space as a place where people can plug their ears from the world, can hide from everyone, but in, instead where they feel empowered 100%. to speak what's going on, but they realize that when they speak, there may be disagreements. 
So back before COVID, you'll, you'll recall, people still had weekly conference calls, but they weren't on video. It was just audio only. And I would have a weekly conference call with my team talking about what was, what is, what is yet to come. That's how I like to look at things. What was, what is, and what is yet, yet to come. Like and it. one of the managers that reported to, to me lived in the same geography and was officed in the same office as me. All the other managers were other places. So he would come to my office more often than not and sit in the same room with me as we were talking to everyone. And everyone always talked a lot except him. And he ran a great area. His employees loved him. His customers liked him. He was profitable. And I asked him one day, I, I said, and I don't want to say his name. I said, why Bob, do you not say anything on these calls? Why do you not speak up unless I ask you a direct question? And his answer was, well, you talk enough for all of us, Sean. <laughs> I've never been told that in my entire life. How I, Scott? Sir. <laughs> yeah. And, and I kind of looked at him. I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know all the answers. And, you know, it it, 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 it got me. It made me. Did that me sting a little bit? I'm sorry? Did that sting a little bit? It did sting. Okay. I've it been in that similar situation, so um, I understand. So I rewarded him by telling him he was going to lead the call next week. Since you think I know everything, and, and, and I probably said it in a fairly abrupt way, I said, but I know you know all kinds of things. And I listed a few areas where I thought he was stronger than I was because I wasn't afraid to hire people who were stronger than me in other areas because, frankly, you cannot hire people that are weaker than you in every single area. No. You need to look for people that are stronger. And frankly, when I go to put together a team, if I can find someone that's smarter than me, is more experienced than me, can outwork me, I'll ask them, why are you applying for this role? Why aren't you applying for my job and kicking me out? But that's another story. So the next week, he led the, the meeting. He, and I said, you know, I just want you to cover these three things. And after that, the meeting's yours. But you got to hit on these three topics because, you know, there were things that had happened during the week. And he led on those topics. And then he brought some innovation to the meeting. And he had a way to get ev everyone to talk. And he had a game that everybody played verbally. And the guy just came alive. And he had always, he'd always been a guy that just kind of talked like this. And, you right. know, he's one of those soft talkers. But... When he spoke, he knew what he was talking about and he just came alive and it was like this, like I'm talking. And when the meeting was, was, was over, he's like, okay, what should I have done differently? And I'm like, nothing, nothing. So after that point, I would rotate the leadership of the meeting around, not every single week, but it would be, I would lead one week, then one of the other managers would lead, then I would lead one week, then one of the other managers would, would lead. It's a good idea. You know, and yeah, it, it worked out great. And you got to see the insight from the individuals throughout. And it created a safe place for, for them, but it also humanized all of us. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's, that's I super mean, important. I, I can also tell you that. So I've been in the janitorial industry for years and years and years. And one thing that I've never been afraid of doing when we have startups is I know I'm very strong in many areas, but the night of the startup, I do not need to be in charge. I cannot be in charge because I am too direct. Having me be in charge is a problem. 
So mm -hmm. I would always take one of my managers for the geography where we're starting, the manager that's responsible for that geography. I'm like, you're in charge. He's like, so you're not going to be here? I go, no, I report to you. He's like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> that's good. I'm like, if I see something I don't like that you're doing, I will pull you aside privately and tell you, but you tell me what to do. And I did that for years and years and years. And we always had great startups. And you, you earn some respect from your, from your staff. I mean, that's the same situation I was in. I would never ask my staff to do anything that I wouldn't do. And I would oftentimes when I would go work in the warehouse, I was in operations. When I would go and work in the warehouse, whoever I was working with, I would tell them that they're my boss. So was, if I was in the assembly yeah. area, the manufacturing area, I'm like, you're my boss. I'm not the director right now. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it gave them yeah. a sense of pride. It gave them this like, oh, you know, you're not above me. We're all equal in, the, in those respects. Where did, where do you think a lot of this, this, this type of perception and this expectations came from? Was that something that was in your childhood were your parents like this or is this something that's just unique unto yourself and that's that's the way you've grown up you know i think i was stifled no one's asked me that question that that's a great question are you serious I, I, like i i was literally like i almost didn't say i would have said it and i was always like he must have been asked this a million times before uh yeah i was just so, taking a chance yeah i'm just curious i told you before the show starts yeah. i'm just curious so i i was the kid that was always outspoken I was the kid that thought I could do anything, but something happened at one point where I remember this clearly. I was never athletic, but I wanted to play Little League Baseball, and my parents wouldn't let me play Little League, and I don't blame them. I'm not angry about it, but the reason they wouldn't let me play is they thought the competition would be bad for me. Mm. Now, because you weren't athletic. They didn't want you to get your feelings hurt. I, I, I guess so, but I thought the competition would be great. Mm -hmm. And then in high school, and I hadn't done any sports in junior high or now middle school, but whatever, <laughs> I wanted to go out for the football team because, you know, everybody goes out for the football team. Parents would not allow me to go out for the football team. I ran cross country instead. And so I never got to, as a child, be in a very competitive physical situation. And I think that in the long run, once I graduated from college, because I wasn't really competitive in college at all, but once I got into the business world, I got very, very competitive. And I, looking back on it, it is possible, because I've never really thought about this deeply, that that competitive nature that is within me just exploded out because it had been stifled for so long. Even now, I'm still competitive with my coworkers. I want all of us to do well, but I like being in the lead. You, nice. You know the phrase, if you're not leading the pack, the view's the same. Sean, mm. I, I would beg to guess that there's a book called Wild at Heart that's actually a fantastic book for women to read because it explains um, men. And one of the big things with men is, you know, ultimately as animals, we're hunters, we're warriors, we're mm -hmm. a lot of the things of the protectors. So when we don't have that opportunity to compete or to chase or to attack or to vent kind of our energy someplace, it's yeah. going to come out somewhere. So yeah, I think you just nailed it is what happened is you had to have a place that you had to apply it and you found a very intelligent place to apply it and compete and have an instant generation of revenue and success through that. So I think it's, I wouldn't be surprised if people are listening saying, nailed it. I was in the same boat because we have to have outlets for me, I would lose my mind without basketball or football. If I right. can't go play a sport 
that's my active meditation, which allows me to somatically release the energy so I can actually meditate without it. I mean, I'm, I'd be interested to see where I'd be. So I need that competition too. And maybe I'd find something else like you're saying, but, but we all need that, especially, and I, you know, I'm not saying women don't, but as men, we absolutely have to have that. Well, and you know, I, I, I walk my 74 pound golden retriever more often than not every morning for 45 minutes. I've run a half marathon before. I thought about running it this year. I even registered to run it in the the, uh, spring. But then I realized that, frankly, I don't have time to do it. And let's remember, I am still a recovering open heart surgery patient. So maybe I should wait another year. But I lift weights, you know, three to five days a week because I enjoy that. And it wasn't until that I got those, you know, those adjustable dumbbells. Yep, I have those. Oh, there we go. Okay. Don't know why that went off. Um, you know those adjustable dumbbells where yep, you can like I have those. Sit, okay. Yep. You pull, pull it out and those and yeah, they go from like five pounds to fifty-five pounds each. Yeah. Once I got a set amazing. of those, I really got into lifting because when you're at the gym and you're lifting, and this has just been my experience, you begin with one set of weights and you're like, oh, you know, that's too too light. But to like swap all, all the time or to go, oh, that's too heavy is a pain. You got these adjustable ones. You can like burn your arms and burn your back and then ratchet it down for the next set if you want. Yeah. So cool. that like kind that. of personal competition really makes, you know, it, it helps me to be physically active in that way to keep my sanity. Mm, I love that. I love that. And you've been talking about a little bit about COVID. And I, I, that's one of the key things I wanted to key in on about this. I'm not in corporate anymore. And I'm thank I'm so thankful I'm not with the with the new generations and stuff like that. What are your some of your top tips right now for people who are struggling in leadership? They've got the the quiet generation, they got the Gen Z's, they got the quiet mm-hmm. quitting going on, you got people that don't want to be in the office anymore. I mean, everything about leadership really has been flipped on its ass in the last couple of years. Talk to us about some of the top things that you recommend for leaders to be paying attention to right now to make sure that their their multi-generational staff are actually working together cohesively. Mm-hmm and that you're addressing the different types of demographics that are going on in that leadership space. Perfect question. So <clears throat> subtitle of my book is um, you must understand yourself and improve if you desire leadership that produces success in others. Let me say it again. You must understand yourself and improve if you desire leadership that produces success in others. Love Christopher, it. it's, it's, it's like we were talking about before we started tonight, when, when you said, Sean, what do you want to accomplish this evening? And if there is the number two thing I want to accomplish is what I'm going to talk about now. Maybe we'll go to the number one thing later. But the number two thing I want to accomplish is that people need to understand leadership is all about them and it's not about them at all. And, and, and it sounds so weird every time I say it. It's all about them because you've got to, and it's like a, um, um, a mantra, understand yourself and improve. You've got to clean up your self-talk. You've got to stop self-sabotaging. You've got to allow people into your inner circle of personality. You need to humanize yourself. You need to understand what triggers set you off and how to avoid them or how to disarm them. But then 
once you start on that journey of understanding yourself and improving, then you need to look at your team and you need to find out what do the individuals on your team truly want for themselves. And I say this as Most. someone that has really had difficulty over the years developing a personal bond with people that report to me. Yeah, we could have the business dinner and have fun, but it's not like I went to someone's house or had people over for a cookout because I was their boss or I was their subordinate, depending upon the situation I found myself in. And well, I've got a story for you. And, you know, and, and the reason it was difficult for me was because I always thought, well, what if they have to fire me or what if I have to fire them? And, you know, that line is, is difficult. And, and people have told me you can be friends with people you work with. And I don't know if I subscribe to that. I subscribe to you can be work friends with people you work with. You can enjoy their company socially. But are when you leave that company someday, are you really going to hang out with those people? And the one or two you're going to hang out with, well, those are still your friends. Because right. there's still people from past jobs that I do get together with for lunch. They are my friends. So the two parts that I said, it's all about you and it's not about you. An individual to be a good leader needs to understand themselves and improve, but then they need to understand their employees, their dreams, their desires, Amen. their goals, and help them to achieve that and put their own dreams, desires, and goals aside. Because if you have a team reporting to you and you help them achieve their dreams, their desires, and their goals, you will win. Yeah, no. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with that. There was something I want to tell you that's so you I experienced somebody that is similar to your personality type. When I was in corporate, I was the I was the, I was the fuzzy one. I was the one that was friends with all my staff. I was the one that went out and partied with them and had a great time was, you know, at their family's house at their hospital bedside for their their family. I was always involved. And I and I like that about myself. I was a very committed I had the number one team in the whole entire organization. And I was the operations team. I wasn't the sales team or the marketing team. I had the number one uh, employee satisfaction survey many years running. <clears throat> But there was this one individual that was in the sales department. His name was Mark Denton. And Mark was very dry. Mark was very personal. Mark was very business oriented. Everything was about business. And he and I butted heads all the time. When I saw him calling on a caller ID, I'm like, fuck, it's Mark again. Christopher, Christopher, your people did this again. And he would come up with this antagonistic, like sarcastic, condescending tone. And I don't, I'm not a violent person, but I'm like, God, oh, fucking beat the shit out of Mark. And so this one time we actually had to go to a sales and operations meeting at a very super fancy restaurant here in Southern California. And I got there late because I get lost going everywhere. And so I walk in the room. It's a private dining room. And there's two spaces open and the two spaces are open are two people that I just, and I get along with everybody, but there's two people in the whole entire organization of 300 people, two people that I don't get along with both of those spots were fucking open. I was like, oh, fuck, I'll just go sit to next to Mark because the person sitting on my other side is somebody that I get along with. And so we're sitting there and the other person, my, the person to my left was talking to somebody. And so I'm like, Hey Mark, what's going on? Mark and I had the best conversation that evening. He had a couple of beers. He was smart ass. He was funny. He, I'm like, and I just told him flat out because I don't, I'm not afraid to say anything. I'm very honest. And I said, Mark, can I give, can I just give you some feedback right now? And he goes, yeah. And we had a couple of beers, no big deal. And I said, I would love to see this version of you at work. I said, because God's honest truth. 
I, I'm so challenged with the way you approach everything. You come with, with this condescending thing and I want to help you. And I'm always trying to be helpful. And, you know, even when we didn't, we could be proved without a reasonable doubt that we were absolutely correct. We didn't ship the wrong thing. You always can't, you always come off with this kind of defensive attitude and everything else. I said, but right now I'm enjoying this conversation. I would love for you to be this person at work. And he looked at me, he goes, well, thank you, Christopher. And he goes, but I have to draw the line and I have to be, I'm like, I'm like, no, Mark. And so ultimately he got fired because of his personality traits and everything else. And so I went to his retirement party. He actually, he was, he got fired, but they said he quit and went to his retirement right. party. And he looked at me and he said, he said, Christopher, if there was any department that I would ever work for at Patty again, it would be you. And it was just like, Holy awesome. shit. so he That's actually, great. he actually, he actually told me afterwards, he goes, I understand now what you were saying. So I love the fact that you were saying, I love the fact that you've been open enough to be able to realize for yourself, okay, what part do I have in this? You know, I, when I grew up with my mother, she was very opinionated and sarcastic and, and she was very, very book smart, incredibly book smart, stupid as the day is long about people, but she would never want to go through that process. She was like, I'm right. It's my way or the highway. Fuck everybody else. I don't give a shit. I'm smart. Yeah. You're stupid and everything else. So I'm glad that you came to that realization. The other thing I want to talk about here is when it, when it comes to leadership and everything, and we think about what's going on with AI and, and stuff like that. And people, you know, and you're in, you're in the operations business and janitorial, obviously, I don't think that's going to get taken up. What are some concerns or what are some things you see on the horizon for leaders to be really aware of as things continue to evolve and change in the workplace? So, you know, AI is going to just take, if, if people think that video has taken off since COVID, get ready for AI because we have moved at a snail's pace on video, in my opinion, compared to what AI is going to do. It's gonna take a little bit of time, but every uh, Google, um, all of them, Facebook, Twitter, every Microsoft, everybody wants AI and it's scary. I'll go to chat GPT oh, yeah. and I'll type in something, I'll write something for copy for social media, for the company I work for, for an association that I'm in, for myself personally. And I'll say, make this more persuasive yet humorous and paste it in. And 30 seconds later, I've got this thing and I'm like, it's pretty good. I mean, you gotta clean it up a little bit. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like AI, but I would tell people embrace it. So anyone, so during COVID, this is my example. During COVID, in the beginning, everybody said, and everybody being the masses, well, I can't do anything. I'm just going to wait till we get back to normal. <laughs> you guys all heard it. I'm oh, going to yeah. wait until we get back to It's only going to be six to weeks. We're going to go back to normal. Yeah, there's no normal anymore. There is no normal anymore. I ended up, you know, I, I was in a new job at the time. And I ended up watching Jeffrey Gittimer, for those of you who know who he is. I know Jeff, yeah. 9.59 a.m. every yep. morning watching Jeffrey and then ended up getting in a mastermind group called Megamind that you may or may, may not have heard of that Randy's mm -hmm. in. It. And, you know, our rule when we first started this group was everything had to be on video. We forced ourselves to learn video in our group. We would not communicate with words. It had to be video. I mean, type typewritten words. It had to be video only. So if AI is the new big thing, figure out how you can make it work. I mean, I've looked at our proposals for the company that I work for. And frankly, we need to take the time to go through it all, 
throw it into the AI and see what it gives us to make it more persuasive, to make it more interesting, to make it more engaging. Scott, you doing okay? Um, not exactly. <clears throat> yeah, my, I'm, I mean, I'm literally sitting on two fractured um, vertebrae, so it started to definitely affect me. But I will tell you this. I like leadership. I like what we're talking about. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're almost, we're almost done. We're going to run it out here in a minute. And making a face, and I was like, oh, no, 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 dude. I, I had a sharp pain run up my spine. I just, I think I'm like, uh, like partially numb and partially pain. So I just had to do a little gentle wiggle. Yeah. It's actually funny because if you know me, I'm always moving around and I'm very mobile and I'm the opposite. I can't move. So I have all this energy that wants to go somewhere and I'm stuck. So it's, yeah. it's actually funny. I'll, I'll laugh at this in a few weeks. Right now, it's just not as funny. Yeah. No, 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 no. But and it's, so, talk about talk about normal. I'm reading. Look at this book. I just started it yesterday. The Myth of Normal by Dr. Gabor Mate. It's oh, I love yeah. Mate. Oh, I love yeah. Gabor Mate. It's a phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, no. This right now, this is normal. I tell people all the time for, you know, my day gig where I'm selling janitorial services and I'm responsible for selling them in multiple states Locally, I'll go meet someone for the first time in person. Maybe an hour away, I'll go meet someone for the first time in person. I will not drive to another state to meet someone for the first time in person. They have to do this. They have to get on video with me for just 15 minutes yeah. to make sure. Video, video, video. There you go, mm -hmm. Eric. Yeah. And oh Eric's in, in Megamind. But I will tell you this. How are people going to make it through AI the same way that they made it through COVID. And, I, and I'm going to throw this out here. The people of faith that are really the people of faith, they will lead the way. They will be the calm ones because I know if God is for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter. I'm not saying God is in control of everything because that's not biblical. That'll probably be a whole nother show for us to have a conversation about unless you want to go there. But what I am telling you is that if you realize about yourself that it's not you making everything happen, that there is a supernatural element to your life and you are willing to tap into that, AI doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah, true. I mean, everything in life, we have to evolve, we have to pivot. I mean, nothing stays the same. And I think that's an important lesson for us all to look at. I mean, we realize that, you know, fast food restaurants, there's a fast food restaurant here in Southern California, McDonald's, there's absolutely zero employees. And it's pretty frightening. It's pretty scary. So I mean, the writing's on the so wall weird. for anybody who is in an operations and manufacturing type environment, a technical skills type environment. I mean, look at Canva. Canva has pretty much diminished, you know, how many graphic designers because now we can all go do it ourselves. I mean, granted, I we need all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we do that. Um, so I like that. I want to shift gears for just a second. Then we're going to round out the show. Um, you've written a book. Obviously, we talked about it. Proverbs for leadership. I know there's a lot of people out there who have a book within within them. And you talked about starting to write it back in 20, 000, 2011. What, re what recommendations would you have for people who have a book inside them? They want to write it. Mm -hmm. Give us some practical steps of what it is that they can do to get that book from here out to there to out to everybody's hands. Number one, write an outline. It sounds so stupid. Right. Write an out. Don't just start writing. Write an outline. It wasn't until 2017 when I sat down and made a list. Okay. I made a list of topics that I wanted to cover. Then I knew that I wanted it to be a scripturally based book. So then I found scripture that 
melded that, um, you know, supported what I was saying, brought it together. I put it in order. Um, After I wrote the book, thank you, Eric. After I wrote the book, Proverbs for Leadership, the, the first one, I sent it to five friends of, of mine. And so if, if God is for me, who can be against me? That's actually scripture. You can attribute it to me, but that's actually scripture. So Google it, say, where does it say this in the, in the Bible? And you will ha- have your answer. Um, so after you write it, I would say in your circle of influence, Give your book to five people, give them two weeks and say, tell me what you think. What I was told about my book was it read like uh, bullet points, which is either good or bad because I talk in bullet points. Uh, It was tough love, which Christopher, you would love. Scott, I don't know (laughs) you well enough. I'm guessing he's the the go love now guy. I'm the bull in the China shop. He's he's the he's the meditation uh, shaman. That's why we work so well together. We say the same thing, but he says it very eloquently, and I say it like a busted chainsaw. That's (laughs) why people love it. (laughs) Well, and it's funny. So people told me my book was like bullet points, but then they also told me you need to personalize it more and add more stories. You can't just tell people what to do. So I did all that. And then when I finally edited and edited and edited and used Grammarly and rewrote and did all this, I was talking about the book in Megamind for, I don't know, the 25th time and group just mocking me because I was forever saying, yeah, just a little bit further and then I'm going to find a publisher. And um, one of the guys said, Sean, put on your big boy pants and go find an editor and leave it alone and let them fix it for, for you. and finish Smart it. person. Smart person. You're too close yeah. to it. And, and, and this person had written multiple books. And I ended up interviewing seven different publishing companies until I found one that I didn't think just wanted me to write them a check. I found someone who actually read my book, that we could have a conversation a week later about different chapters. They weren't saying, here's a contract, you know, give me your Venmo and and let's go for it. And they told me, and this was the number one thing, when you write your, your book, whatever your lane is, you need to go in your lane. And, and this is what, what I mean, that I am a faith person. And I had written this book all around scripture and personal improvement and leadership, but I didn't call out a single scripture in the book. I talked around it. I talked through it. I talked above it. I talked below it. And my publisher said, you need to cite all the scripture or you need to pull it all out. You can't have it both ways, Sean. So as I was talking to my publisher, I said, okay, I'll cite it all. And she said, now you realize if you do that, you will eliminate some people. And I said, right. And if I don't do it, one, I'll be being disingenuous to myself and to God. And two, I'll be eliminating other people. So I would rather choose the side of faith. So what I've said about my book, Proverbs for Leadership, is that if you're a faith person, you're going to love it. If you're not a faith person, read it and you may become one. And if you don't like scripture, what I did in the final version of the book was the scriptures are called out in right below things I talk about or above it. You can skip them if you want, but I don't encourage you to do that. So there's some hints. 
No, I love that. I'm actually, I'm actually in the process of writing my book. I'll give you guys a sneak peek of it. I've actually just finished last Friday. I got 169,000 words. Damn. It's called It's Still Me Kid. That's the, that's, that's, a the rough, words. that's the rough draft. I'm going to call it down to about 120. It's actually Dave Grohl's book. I just put my cover on it because I love Dave Grohl. But yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting, interesting process. And, you know, a lot of what you said has validity and I've experienced that as well. I've got a lot of friends who have published books, either they've gone through a traditional publisher or they've self-published. I'm going to go the yeah. self-publishing route because I don't want anybody saying jack shit about anything about my book. They, nope, 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 nope. I own all the rights. Um, so, man, I appreciate it. Huh? I could hook you up. You need an editor. Oh, I do. I do have an editor, but d please okay. send me, please send me a, the editor that you use because I want to look okay. at a couple of them, but I got a friend of mine that did his book and she did a phenomenal job. So I was going to go with her and she was reasonably priced, but yeah, I would love to yep. check out a few, but man, this has been an awesome conversation. I appreciate you for being here. We have so many great nuggets that we can uh, splice little videos out of this. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you, Sean? Sure. So I'm all over social media. Go to your favorite social media, type my name, Sean Litvak. You can go to Litvak Leadership, um, which is my website for helping individuals, for coaching, for about the book, for public speaking. I'm really easy to find. I'm on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. You can either type Litvak Leadership as a hashtag or just type it in or type my name, Sean Litvak. If you want a signed copy of Proverbs for Leadership, just go to proverbsforleadership.com and you can get a copy. I'll sign it. I'll ship it to you. And you'll end up being on my mailing list where I send out the, I originally said the, the weekly email, which, which I'll get back to, but life has been like a fire hose lately. So you will get proverbsforleadership.com. Proverbsforleadership.com. I'm just, I'm just putting, I'm putting that. I'm actually just typing in so people can, uh, can people can click that link right here. Uh, inside yeah. the chat um oh this is funny eric i was just a fuck it's so crazy we were just talking about myspace like six hours ago how funny that nobody's mentioned myspace and then eric's mentioning myspace yeah. right there man this has been a, a tremendous conversation tonight uh i appreciate you being here and uh Thank and you. sharing your wisdom i'm gonna place you backstage just for a second we're gonna scott and i are gonna end out the show but don't go anywhere we still want to talk to you but man thank you so much sean for being here i appreciate you thank you so much appreciate it gentlemen you're welcome and there we have it, Mr. Gimpy. Thank you for uh, toughing it out. And thank you for asking brilliant questions. Uh, what is your summation on the conversation tonight about leadership and, and some of the things we discussed? Uh, I agree with a handful of things, but I'll just point out two of them. The seek first to understand. I mean, it's huge. And even though he had the sense of awareness to recognize at first, he wasn't understanding. And he was thinking from a one-dimensional space of his perspective. The minute we step outside that boundary, we're going to be in a better place as a leader. And number two, once you know who you are, it doesn't matter if a certain amount of the population doesn't agree with you. And there might be a lot I don't agree with with him, but I love the fact that he knows who he is and I know who I am. And whoever you are, learn to know who you are and take that leadership stance by seeking to understand and supporting others where they're at. So that's what I heard him say. I love it. I'm going to give it two thumbs up, even though it hurts a little bit. <laughs> two thumbs up no basketball for you scott no basketball Dude, yeah i can't even get I'm, I'm literally getting out of here and going back to bed like i can't yeah oh so, i feel for you man i definitely want to play basketball 
<laughs> I understand that. That's why I'm not doing surgery again unless I can forego mm. it because that those first two weeks afterwards, I was a, a miserable. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't scratch my own back. Couldn't wipe my own ass. Well, I did wipe my own ass actually. That was that was pretty funny, but that's another story. But no, and back going back to the conversation here because I have ADD on crack. Um, yeah, leadership is. I mean, the thing I love about leadership is the fact that we all have to take leadership for ourselves. And I love the fact that Sean was like, "Wait a minute, let me let me take a step back and examine myself. Let me see what yes. what part of it, what, what aspects of myself Amen. can I adjust?" Because at the end of the day, we could be who we are and tell everybody else, you know, tough, you have to deal with it. But I watched my mom and I watched so many people who were not willing to change who they were and thought they were better than everybody else and wound up getting fired from every job. They wound up losing every relationship they ever had. And then ultimately wind up dying with regrets in their mind thinking, wow, you know, I thought it was all that in a bag of chips, but ultimately I'm not. And so it's up to all of us to have that leadership to sit there and say, where am I at in, in my, my relationship space? Where am I at my, my goal setting space? Where am I at my health and nutrition space? And take that leadership for yourself, guys, because so many people are out there going, well, the government should do something for me. And my parents did that to me. And I'm waiting for that person to do that. If you guys are out there playing the someday game, hoping, wishing, and praying that somebody's going to come help you and save you, they're not. So you got to stand up and you got to have leadership for yourself. You have to be proactive about the changes that are happening in the world today. I don't follow the news. I don't watch the news. I don't watch politics, but I know what's going on. And I know if I was in an industry where potentially AI could uh, have a foothold on it, I would be immediately looking at a, a trade school, a vocational school. I'd be looking at how I could switch and pivot, how I could be a part of that process rather than having it run me over and, and be out of a job and a career. So this is this is your warning time, guys. This is your warning time. And David says it right here. He, play, he quotes me. He says, don't play the someday game. Don't play the someday game, guys, because, you know, I'm 54 years old. I just turned 54. I feel like time is evaporating from myself and you only get one life. And Scott and I are here every single week to tell you guys we get one life. You know, go live it to your maximum best potential. Have the best people in your life. Go out there and strive for the things that you're afraid of. Go out there and get out of your comfort zone. Go experience the, the juice of life and you won't have any regrets. But ultimately, if you sit there and you hope, wish and pray and play the someday game, you will ultimately have regrets. It's called The Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. Go get it. Go check it out. It'll open your eyes so much to what we are doing in life. And um, and that is our show for tonight. Next week, it's just going to be Scott and I. We're just going to go solo. We haven't figured out a topic yet, but we'll figure out a topic that we can bring to you guys and serve you guys. And once again, coming up pretty soon, we're going to start doing seasons of the show where we're going to take a general generalized topic. Maybe we're going to talk about relationships and we're going to dig deep into different aspects and components of relationships, spirituality. You know, who am I? Let's get into the identity conversation and have specific guests on the show that may, we may have had be here before and really dig into those components of who am I and how can I evolve and change and, and how can I shift what it is that I'm focusing on the most? So we're going to do that for you guys but we need your help. So go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Join the Facebook community. Let us know what it is that you want. Like Chris, Scott, I would love for you guys to riff on this. I would love for you to make this a, a topic of conversation. We will address that most definitely, but you guys got to come and tell us. So it's super easy. Theunfilteredexperience.com. Join us. And again, like I said, at the very, 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 very top of the show, if you guys have been following this and you've been watching this and listening to us for the last 113 shows, 114 shows, we would love for you to go. It's right here. Go there, go to any place where you get podcast, sign up, just type in the unfiltered experience. You'll find it. iTunes is like, we're like 95% on iTunes. People listen on Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. Amazon music, go wherever it is, subscribe to it, throw us a review, send us a copy of the review. Uh, so we can personally thank you. And, uh, we're going to be back here again next week. Scott, I wish you all the best brother. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm good to have you back. I don't like doing this show by myself. feels like I'm doing my other show. So thank you for being here. And, um, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you guys all for your comments and your engagement. Go out there and be awesome and amazing. And we'll see you here next week on The Unfiltered Experience. Peace. You, you are your own hero.